Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, a broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Cornerstone Financial Consultants are not affiliated. Welcome to the Journey Mindset Podcast. My name is Sean Ulrich and I'm a financial advisor at Cornerstone Financial in Washington, Missouri. And I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host, Ron Shear. And Ron is a former financial advisor with a wealth of knowledge on all things investing. So we are lucky to have him today. And Ron, man, what is one thing you are doing to enjoy your journey this week? Well, it's been uh, a little rainy this uh, last, this little stretch. And uh, we uh, recovered through the losing an hour of sleep on Saturday and... (laughs) And, uh, but it is nice to see the uh, sun, oh, the uh, lack thereof, <laughs> into the later <laughs> portions of the day. But, uh, you know, we get some good spring weather. It's uh, all going to be forgotten. So we're just really looking to spring and, and working on the lawn and, uh, and just uh, enjoying the nicer weather to where we can be out and about. And, and uh, we enjoy that kind of stuff. We're, uh, we have to spend a lot of time inside during the winter months, and we're really outside people. So we're, uh, we're really anxious. How about you? I got to go paintballing this past weekend, which I'm telling you, man, I never uh, never thought that that was going to be something I really looked forward to. But coming out of a pandemic, holy smokes, it sure. was a ton of fun. It was great. Those little buggers hurt when they hit you. <laughs> I know, and I was kind of cracking up too because the guys that run the courses, when you had a, we had like 30 guys that uh-huh. ended up showing up for this thing. And when you have that big of a group, the guys, I'm sure, are just, you know, shaking their hands together like, oh, we're going to make these guys hurt. So they put us in these courses that were so tight to one another. I mean, <laughs> you're getting belted with these right. things. And we had a blast. And I had a ton of fun doing it. It so was fun. It was, it was definitely something to, to enjoy my journey. So our topic for today is going to be talking about conscious capitalism and, and the dynamic that it plays with faith. And then even talking a little bit about some criticisms of capitalism as a whole and how those all intertwine with one another. So let's jump right into it, and and we're going to hear from a professor of Christian ethics at the Talbot School of Theology at Biola University who breaks down some of the big moral objections that people make to our current economic system, and his name is Scott B. Ray. And Ray walks us through the four major criticisms of capitalism, and those four are that our economy is based on greed, that's the number one criticism, that there's a zero-sum arrangement to, er- to economic life, and I'll explain that more later. Number three is that our economy leads to consumerism, materialism, and overconsumption. And number four is that our economy leads to big increases between the haves and the have-nots. And we're going to debunk some of these criticisms today, Ron, but I thought I'd ask you before we get rolling... What do you think was the intention of our current economic system? What was the intention? Yes. I think the intention was from a group of really oppressed people who came from Europe and a lot of other places when this country was founded. I think people were looking for uh, freedom in all sorts. And I think it started a lot from freedom to worship or freedom of religion. And Mm. and, uh, 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 capitalism 
in spite of all the criticisms, is probably the best system out there. It's proven yeah. itself to be that all throughout time. I will say, though, that there is a cruel side to capitalism if you're a non-participant mm. in it. it. From its outside, it can look incredibly cruel. But here again, I think we'll probably unfold and unwrap that a little bit or unpack it, as, uh, as we say nowadays, and, uh, and learn a little bit more about that. But at first blush, that's my thoughts about it. That's spot on, spot on right there. So let's take a look at the four tenets of conscious capitalism and compare those to the four criticisms that you usually see of capitalism. The number one tenet is to have a higher purpose for your business or to have a higher purpose for what you're doing. Number two is to have conscious leadership. Number three is to have conscious culture. And lastly, number four is to support your stakeholders. So let's hit the current definition of economics, and that is the branch of knowledge concerned with the production, consumption, and transfer of wealth, something that I think a lot of people have a good amount of interest in. And Professor Ray argues that economics is a moral discipline and justifies that by saying that he believes economics is the way that we collectively share the burdens and benefits of our common lives within our community, which he says is a fundamentally moral thing. He starts off by talking about four primary moral objections, which we just hit on. But the first criticism we're going to dive into is that our economy is based on greed. And Ray paints a picture that most people believe that in order to win in a capitalist economy, you have to be greedy. Comparing that viewpoint with the first tenet of conscious capitalism, number one is having a higher purpose. And we see that a conscious capitalist's main motivation for succeeding in business is to pursue a particular mission. And some questions that a business owner that wants to put themselves in the position of a conscious capitalist can ask are, why did you start that business? What motivates you each morning? And uh, what do you give your customers that goes beyond products or services? And what impact do you make on people's lives? So Ron, man, my question for you is, what do you think about that dynamic between greed as a business owner and then having a higher purpose for your business? I think, you know, by our creation, our creator has a certain amount of expectations for us too. And, Mm. and, uh, we're not uh, we're not in the desert where we get a, a a load of manna every day, which you know people in Israel they complain greatly about the manna that fell every morning, and they got so incredibly tired of it. Mm. But I think the point is this: I think we are created to be uh, a motivated people, and yeah. I think that's uh, I think that's what a lot of people miss when they become extremely critical of capitalism. And I mean, you, we've tried, we've tried the communist, the socialistic, you know, we've tried it all over the globe. And guess what? It's failed miserably Doesn't work. everywhere. It doesn't work yep. because it goes against what, what really the program and how a human being is programmed. Yeah. And if I looked and I was trying to find a good practical application to show people of somebody that is on a mission, and I'm going to quote the co-founder of the investment service, it's called The Motley Fool throughout this show, and what his takes are on conscious capitalism. He's a proponent of it. In essence, he said that their mission statement at The Motley Fool and their higher purpose is to make the world smarter, happier, and richer. And he said, if you ask any employee within the organization, they know that that's our mission. Let's go back to Adam Smith. He's an economist that was born in the 1700s, known as the father of capitalism. And he had this to say in a book that he wrote called The Wealth of Nations. He said that humans' natural tendency towards self-interest results in prosperity. Smith argued that giving everyone the freedom to produce and exchange goods as they pleased, which is free trade, and opening the markets up to domestic and foreign competition 
people's natural self-interest would promote greater prosperity than with stringent government regulations. And so I'm curious for you, Ron, what do you think about that quote right there from Mr. Smith? Well, I think uh, we probably ought to resurrect that and we ought to talk more about that in society today because we, we've, we've really kind of run, in my opinion, we've kind of run amok in the fact that, you know, can't we all just get along and, you know, you make some money and you give it to me because I don't, I don't make quite as much, and I mean, it's a great idea, and I think as a Christian society, we should always take care of those people who who, uh, who need a, a leg up, but I don't think it's a situation or a system that should be built on a complete sustenance over a lifetime of, uh, of non-productivity and then being able to, uh, to, be able to uh, survive. I mean, not that, that I think anybody should perish, but it says in the owner's manual in the book, if you don't work, you don't what? That's right. You don't, don't eat. eat. That's right. That's you know, right. and I think yeah. I think hmm. that's God's way of saying that that rolling up your sleeves and doing a job, no matter what it is, is uh, it's God honoring to do yeah. that. I love it. And to tie up our first point, our mission here with this podcast is not only spread the gospel, but to to give people a biblical worldview of what we believe is a good way for people to view some of these uh, challenging conversations. And I'm going to talk. Uh, from the book of First Timothy, which if you know who, who Timothy is, he's actually a, a disciple of Paul. He's somebody who Paul trained right. to go out and be a missionary. And in First Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I think that's just a, a good check to people that say, oh, you know, the, here are some handouts that I'm going to take without having to do much. And there are tons of exceptions that people, you know, might need some assistance yes. with. But it's on us as Christians to be able to help those people out. And another Adam Smith quote is that it is not out of benevolence that we get our food from the butcher and the baker, but instead out of the butcher's own self-interest. And Smith said that there are many other virtues that must be present in order to temper a person's pursuit of self-interest. So any last thoughts, Ron, on higher purpose versus greed before we move on? Well, I think we've pretty well covered that, but yeah. I think uh, when, you, when you boil it all down, I think there's something that uh, is built in each and every one of us, and, and that is uh, is to, to work and provide, and I think it's gone honoring to, uh, to, to be of labor and to, to actually do something to earn our sustenance or our way through life. Yeah. And, and that's not to say as a Christian people, we don't help people that have fallen on hard times. That's not what we're saying here. But I do think it's, uh, uh, it's incumbent for each and every person once they get through those hard times to put back a life and uh, put it together and work uh, and to provide for themselves and for their family. That's an obligation we all have. For sure. And the second point that Professor Ray points out as uh, objections to our current economic system is that it is a zero-sum arrangement of economic life. And this is where people believe that the rich becoming richer is causing the poor to become poorer, and that there is some sort of cause and effect relationship between the wealth of the rich and the poverty of the poor. And the misconception would be that if I get a bigger piece of the pie, that you have to get a smaller piece of the pie, which Ray points out that that is just factually not true. And what makes our economy so unique is that the size of the economic pie continues to grow and that wealth is constantly being created as profit is made. And he's pointing out that there is no direct cause and effect relationship between the two of those. Comparing that criticism with the second point of conscious capitalism is that a conscious capitalist would focus more on 
taking stock of the servant leadership within their business or within their organization. And as opposed to thinking, how can I get a bigger, bigger piece of that pie? The conscious capitalist business owner looks to empower the people that work for them or their coworkers more and to inspire great accountability on their team. And I'll say this, Ron, not only do I think that this makes a business more attractive, you know, if you're just looking to go work somewhere new, but I think if you're looking to invest in a company, that's a, a something that you're going to want to see out of the leadership of that company. And I think a great example was when we looked back at the 1995 Berkshire Hathaway annual shareholder letter where Warren Buffett talked about acquiring Hellsberg Diamonds and that the CEO was very generous after that purchase. So, Ron, man, what do you think about that dynamic between zero-sum arrangement and developing servant leaders? Well, I think that anytime you can isolate a company that has uh, long-term employees, there's a reason typically why why companies are able to retain their employees. And it's because, typically, it's because the people at the top are willing to share the success and the wealth with the, with the, with the, with the workforce. And, and uh, I think that's a winning combination. I'll give you another example. Some of the most successful companies that we have locally here, and I won't mention names because that could be embarrassing for folks, but mm. we have a couple of employee-owned companies here. They're called ESOPs. Mm. And the employees actually own the business, and those companies absolutely, they don't just survive, but they absolutely th- thrive because yeah. when, you have a, when you have a workforce that is also part of the ownership, we all have a vested interest in, in, in helping ourselves to succeed, and that's what employee ownership does the best. So, you know, having said that, I think that's a, a true uh, a true measure of how a company can be run, and I, I understand, I fully understand that. Not all companies can be employee-owned, but even then, then you see companies that have done exceedingly well through the years, and they share the wealth with, with everybody up and down from the person who sweeps the floor to the guy that's the CEO, and, hmm. and uh, people typically are happy working in a place, a co-organization, where they're acknowledged and they're treated well for the work they do. And I think it matters now. I think you have stuff like Glassdoor where you can check what's happening on inside of that company. Yes, you, you can, can check reviews of people that have previously worked there. Yes. And it, it matters, man. It matters when people are choosing the workplace that they're going to, uh, matters to work at. <clears throat> the third critique of our current market system is that it leads to consumerism, materialism, and overconsumption. And Ray points out that greed is not an economic vice, that it's a human vice, and that greed has been rampant under socialism, for example, and there's a lot of examples of that. And that's not to say that our current market systems do not provide the temptation to greed, because they certainly do. And they also provide the resources for charity and caring to the least advantaged among us that are unparalleled in any other type of economic arrangement. And to me, Ron, to cut to the core of this one, when you remove God out of the picture and when you take you know, his word that teaches us to overcome that temptation through a personal relationship with his son, Jesus, God's there to equip us through these situations of being you know, prosperous. And would you know it, Ron, in a study done by the U.S. News and the World Giving Index, the United States had the number one ranking in the world, beating out Myanmar, New Zealand, Australia, Ireland, and Canada, and the U.K. for the top spot on the list for the most generous countries in the world. And the categories that were considered were donating money to charity, volunteering their own time to an organization, and helping a stranger in need. And so the statistics show that our mixed government system, which means that both government and the private sector both played pivotal roles, has allowed us, uh, has allowed the United States to be ranked as the number one most generous country in the world. 
And I'll also point out that our main competitors, China, ranked towards the bottom of the list. So, Ron, do you have any thoughts on what we just talked about right there? And are you surprised by that? Oh, I'm not at all surprised. I, I, you know, I've lived long enough to see that if there's a problem in the most obscure corner of the world, you know, there won't be anybody else that'll show up there to help people, but people, the good folks from the United States. And Hmm. and when we talk about the success of of uh, the economic capitalistic structure that we enjoy. If, if you get bound up into that, that's a personal choice you make that if you let that go awry and you let the search or the seeking of, uh, of uh, too much wealth and too much power, that's on you. That isn't on the system. Mm. And I would agree to some extent that the capitalistic system can create an environment where that certainly can happen. But here again, each individual has to take some personal responsibility as to how they handle the environment they're in, and this economic uh, structure that we have, this capitalistic structure, there is no comparison. When we talk about the poor in this country, they live as kings compared to poor people in Guatemala or Honduras or Mexico or many, many other spots around the country. In fact, I read, and I, I just don't remember what the statistic is, but if you make $20,000 a year or $24,000 a year, I think you live in the in the top 2% of people around the world. Wow. And, and, but I'll also say that another biblical principle, it says that to whom, who much is given, much is required. And I think that that's where a lot of times the American people, we have been greatly blessed in this country. And part of it's because of our government structure, but most of it is because of the capitalistic system we use. We've been incredibly blessed. But I think we've also been reasonably good stewards, which the statistics would obviously show in how generous we've been with our time and our money for people around the world, hmm. plus for people around the, uh, in, in this country. I, uh, uh, we can always do better. There's no question about that. A human being, no matter how hard he tries, has a difficult time sometimes getting past themselves. Yeah. But uh, I, I think, you know, I don't think you can blame the system. I think you have to look in the individual hearts of each person. Exactly. And I can say for myself, too, this is something I constantly battle. You know, something that when you wake up every day, am I seeking out my own right. self-interest or is it something that's in service of other people? And, and it's we were going through to my men's uh, Life on Life group last night that I was meeting with and we were talking about God equips you to be able to overcome some of those temptations that the world throws at you through His Word. Yes. And uh, I mean, I'm definitely not uh, somebody that does it the right way every single time. But with that help, you really can, you know. And comparing consumerism, materialism, and overconsumption to the third tenet of conscious capitalism, which is validate your values. And that's something that we're actually talking about right now. And according to entrepreneur.com, business owners can do this by, quote, having a values discussion with your team members surrounding what the company holds dear and won't compromise. Clearly defined values will be the driving force behind a conscious culture. And I mean this makes total sense when you when you think about the United States being the most generous country in the world that doesn't happen without a value system in place. And getting back to scripture, I pulled a quick one out of the book of wisdom in Proverbs 11:25. It says, "A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed." Ron, any takes on consumerism, materialism and overconsumption? compared with validating your values as a company? Well, I think those are important points. To, if, you, if you run a company and you want to do it in a way that is, uh, is God-honoring, I think that has to come first. You have to look at what, what your product model is or what your service model is, and you have to, uh, you have to uh, 
tailor your customer service to that, something that's God-honoring. And I mean, it. Uh, I, I don't think it's a difficult process. It, it certainly doesn't look so on paper, but when you, <laughs> when you get human beings involved, it, uh, there's a great tendency for it to go awry. Uh, and it happens in any, any type, of, type of economic system. I mean, if you want to compare it to, to socialism, I mean, that's a great comparison. I mean, don't ever think that people that are running a socialistic uh, system that uh, that they're they do so because they're kind and benevolent. Those folks <laughs> yeah. live in a different world than the people that they're supposedly taking care of. Yeah, exactly. All right. The last critique that is pointed out by Scott Ray is that our economic system amounts to big increases between the haves and the have-nots. And the point that Scott B. Ray makes is that the vast majority of time that people have spent on Earth as humans, they've been very equal but they've been equally miserable, wretched, and poor, if you look at the, the grand scale of things, and that people left their previous homes to pursue opportunities for economic prosperity, in large part because of the economic system that we have play in place here today in America. So taking a look at the current system, it is true that there are classes of people that are now created that were not there before, that, that society has really never seen so many different uh, classes. And Ray's point is that it seems to him that the real issue is not that people take issue with the different classes, but that the people at the bottom don't have enough. And comparing that with the fourth and final tenet of conscious capitalism, it's, it states, D, support your stakeholders. And if you're thinking about this issue from a conscious capitalist standpoint, the thought process is that developing great relationships within your organization, which then in turn creates a competitive advantage because your employees are more loyal and willing to go the extra mile. And a great conscious capitalist will assess the organization and see to it that each member of the company has an opportunity to be heard and to make a difference. And back to the criticism of, quote, creating a bigger gap between the haves and the have-nots, Ray explains that he believes that the criticism about inequality is actually shooting at the wrong target. The problem is, according to him, is that not that there's inequality, but the problem is that there's injustice and also insufficiency at the bottom of the scale. And I got to imagine, I put myself in the shoes of a business owner, that has to be the constant challenge. How do you positively impact, empower, and motivate those employees that may not be at the top of the organization? And it can be the same thing within our country. And to further his point, he says that we generally accept a lot of other inequalities in life and the natural lottery of things. And the joke that he made is he's like, no matter how hard I train, I'm not going to be the Olympic, be of the same quality of the Olympic swimmer Michael Phelps because he was not born with that God-given gift. What he does agree with is that when inequality happens because of injustice and when being born in a certain zip code means you have access to worse education, he says that those people are people that start significantly more behind. And another example of injustice, something that he says we need to stand up for, is when people of color do not get the same job opportunities that a different race, that somebody in a different race would get. So, Ron, man, what do you think about that dynamic between inequality and injustice? Well, I, I, I think he's right about that. But I would take a little bit, I, I would disagree with him. I, and when he talks about people in a, in a and I, I assume he's speaking about people in a lower income status being miserable. Mm. I, I know a good many people who are just patently poor. They just don't have much, and they're yeah. the happiest people in the world. The other side of that coin is I know some people that are exceedingly wealthy, and they're the most miserable people. That's a good so point. I, I don't think that you can say that, you know, when the, mom, the numbers of 
dollars that you have in a bank account or the lack thereof de determines whether you're miserable or whether you're happy. So I think he's a little bit off base there, if, if I understood him correctly, and I mm. think I did. Mm. The the other thing I would say is is that we don't spend enough time talking about what it is. If if you if you're a young person today and you're in high school or you're at wherever you are in your in your years of education, you have to start to think about what you're going to do for your future to prepare yourself for the future. Now I'm going to mm. use this and please don't call me or don't call a call a radio station <laughs> but People that want $15 an hour to dunk French fries or flip hamburgers at the local McDonald's, you know, it's, it's $30,000 a year, and it isn't, you know, it's just not, it's not reasonable. Hmm. Those were entry-level jobs for high school kids. Yeah. yeah, And they're not something that you can go, because it takes absolutely no planning, it takes no effort, you haven't properly prepared yourself and this is where injustice comes in. If you haven't had the opportunity to prepare yourself for your future, that's one thing. But if you've been given opportunities through education and you just refuse to do anything differently because you're content with that job at McDonald's, dunking French fries or, or flipping burgers or, and you know, not to pick on McDonald's, but, you know, the whole world picks on the McDonald's for the number one reason that they're the number one largest seller of hamburgers in this country and maybe yeah. around the world. <clears throat> but the point still is, is you have to make some preparations for how you're going to prepare yourself to provide for yourself in the future. And far too many times people use excuses as to why they can't do that or why they don't do that. There are some times when they're justly, they're, they're justified to complain about it. And I think in the way that uh, many people of color, I think, I think they have some legitimate reasons oh, to be. Oh, they do. They do. Yes, yeah. I think yeah. so. I think it's it's grossly unfair, yeah. and I not only unfair, but I think it's unjust. Yeah, very true. Very true. And I'll say, Aaron Weidman and I were talking about this too, as a combat against some of the injustice that has been done. Some of the bigger tech companies are offering an alternative to an undergraduate degree sure. now that's much more cost effective. I was just reading about this this morning, and that the participating companies companies that are involved are ones that are going to accept people that have not had the traditional educational system, but instead choose to go this different route of getting education through uh, now new e-learning that's available online that was not there previously. Exactly right. And it's, uh, it's intriguing. It's very intriguing. So to finish our point on the biblical aspect of this, Ray goes out to point that the Mosaic law or the laws given, by Mo given to Moses by God had much to say about economics. And uh, one, one is to ensure that the fundamental exchange that took place in their economy were fair, accurate, and honest, free of fraud and deception, which is some of the injustice that's happened before. It talks about having weights and measures that are fair and accurate and just. And the other piece of that is that God intended economic law to function so that it provided an ability to take care of people that did not have an ability to take care of themselves. And the law set out a lot of provisions calling people to take care of those that were poor, needy, and unable to work or unable to take care of themselves. And Ray points out that the large majority of people in biblical times relied on the land for prosperity. And it could be a zero-sum game. If you were going to have a large share of the crops, then one person succeeded. It was at the expense right. of other people. 
And one way to arise to power in that time period was by the means of theft, oppression, extortion, or misuse of power, and that enabled them to obtain their wealth at someone else's expense. And his point in saying all that is that we have a system today in America where even though there is inequality and at times injustice that we're really trying hard to work on right now, it still provides an abundant opportunity for people to create wealth for themselves. So, Ron, what do you think about that dynamic between biblical times and nowadays? Well, I, I, I don't think there's really anything new as far as human behavior. or mm. uh, I mean, I don't think there's anything new under the sun. You know, back in, in biblical days, or uh, uh, human beings suffered from the same same Desires. affliction yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that they've always had. And that's, yeah. uh, you know, we have a tendency to put ourselves first. and But as Christian people... Um, we 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 should have our eyes open and we should be willing to step in in short-term measures to help people when they're going through rough times but i think we also have an obligation to to help people to find a way that they can in future times be able to take care of themselves and i think that's i think that's an absolute biblical principle and i think it's 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 really not biblical to to give a person welfare or sustenance for their whole life for the lack of effort for whatever reason. I think we have to try to help people to prepare themselves. And that would be my challenge to people that do have a strong faith in Jesus would be to step up, you know, at times like right. this. And if you have an ability to help, and I've seen some companies inside of the St. Louis area and surrounding region that have you stepped bet. up you bet. and helped restaurant owners. And, and it's super encouraging to see. And when you see that in front of you, that's someone. That's something that you know. As uh, somebody that's trying to help someone else, you're like, all right, how can I help as well? It's contagious. It's cool to have that around you. And, and you know, Sean, I, I'll take it a little bit further than that. Maybe I think one. It's it's maybe one of the shortcomings of the church in that we we don't do enough to help people. And and when we leave that vacuum of help there, then the government steps in. And and I think we've all seen how how inefficient the government can be. And I, mm. I you know I think some of it's well meaning, and I think. Some of it just isn't, but I think most of these things, these benevolence, benevolences and, and uh, the helping of people should be handled by the churches and not the government. But I have to say in defense of the government, it's because churches typically so many times in the past just haven't stepped up to do what they, some do, but some don't, most don't. I was going to say the tithing percentages keep going down, well, which, do. which is tough. And to conclude his point, Scott Ray said that at the end of the economic system that God intended was that so we could all do meaningful work, we could all support ourselves. And number three would be to care for the poor and the needy. And Ron, so I'll ask you, man, do you have any final thoughts on our show before we wrap up today? You know, I think it's, 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 uh, it's a good show. And uh, it, it kind of forces people, myself, to, to kind of think about, you know, where I am and, you know, what I'm doing with my life and now in, in retirement. And I, uh, I truly think, Sean, that I could be doing more to help uh, my fellow man. And and uh, it's kind of an eye-opener to have mm. a talk program like this. And I wish sometimes that we could have a little interaction with our listening audience. Sometimes yeah. it would be good. And sometimes today might be one of those shows where we might get some calls and people would say, hey, you know what? I think you're absolutely off base. And, and mm. that would be good because that too helps the thought process and it gives a perspective that sometimes we need as a human being to, to, we have, I have, I'm the worst. I, I get to be myopic. In other words, it's my way or the highway. And, yeah. and another set of eyes and another perspective for me is, is a, is a very good, it's a healthy thing. So 
I was going to say, man, I've always heard that if you choose to stand your ground in a particular issue, you're going to always have people to disagree with you. There's no question about it. Always going to have people to disagree with you. And I think you're great at that. I think you're great at standing your ground. Well, I, I, I can be, but at the same time, I, I, I can be, I can be extremely passive at times too, Mm -hmm. when I really ought to, I ought to, I ought to step up and, and not so much, not so much speak. I should <laughs> use I'm right there with you. <laughs> the two the two ear one mouth uh, method, and I should listen a whole lot more than I talk. I mean, and mm-hmm. but but I know that there's a lot of room and things that I could be doing for my fellow man that I I should be doing and I'm not doing. So it's a good show, mm-hmm. good show, and a good program to kind of be an, a little bit of an eye opener for sure. So the reason for the podcast and the real heart behind all of our messages lies in the gospel. We believe that God sent His only Son, Jesus, to this world with the message of good news. The good news is that we as humans do not need to earn our way into heaven. Instead, we need to repent of the current way that we live, living for ourselves in our own personal glory, and instead choose to invite Jesus into our lives to follow His word, what we believe to be truth. Ultimately, we believe Jesus, after living a perfect life here on earth, was put to death for no other reason than saying he was the Son of God, thus being put to death for our sins, which he knew was going to happen. And again, the good news of the gospel of Jesus is something we did nothing to earn. It was a free gift from God. We know that after Jesus died, we believe he rose again three days later, appearing to those on earth who had deserted him before his death, ultimately ascending back into heaven. And after Jesus ascended back into heaven, we receive what Jesus called the Holy Spirit to guide our lives in decision-making. We now have the freedom to live for God, bringing glory to God as a response to the sacrifice that he made for us on the cross. And we wholeheartedly believe that we were all created to do good works, rooted in truth, what we know to be God's word, driven by love. With this newfound freedom as a response to this good news. So as always, be sure to connect with us at thejourneymindset.com or visit our company page at cornerstone2invest.com and reach out to us at Cornerstone Financial in Washington, Missouri at 636-239-5000 if you would like to connect and learn more about what it would look like to invest with us here at Cornerstone Financial. And our goal is to always get to know your particular situation and to see how we can help. Big thank you for tuning in. We love being on 99.9 KFAV.